We are not done with the Mariners pitching staff just yet. In today's season preview, we'll look at one of the better bullpens in 2022 and ask, can they do it again? Let's talk about it. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. This is Tiny Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon or scan the QR code above my head. Uh, The link for that, as well as our social accounts, is in the description below. And on the show today, we're continuing our position preview series for the Mariners by looking at their bullpen and Colby before we get into these guys individually let's look at some of the 2022 numbers for the unit as a whole they finished the year sixth in ERA 10th in FIP eighth in XFIP ninth in K's per nine they were they had the third lowest walks per nine they were fifth in called strikes plus whiffs they were second in Eno Saris's stuff plus metric they were tied for first in pitching plus They, however, were not used a ton. They posted the fourth lowest innings, and that may have contributed to, you know, despite being so high in some of these other categories, finishing just 13th in F4. But on the flip side of that, they were fourth and win probability added a couple of other numbers here that I found interesting that I uh, that I found when I was doing my research here. They were actually one of the softer tossing bullpens in the league this past year, despite having guys like Andres Munoz and Matt Brash towards the end of the season, they finished 20 with the 25th lowest average fastball velocity. Uh, And they also use sliders like no other team. They were first in slider usage percentage by a mile. Uh, I believe the second place team, the Marlins was like six or so percent behind them. And that category. Uh, but overall, looking at this bullpen, I mean, it was one of the more, I mean, you just look at how consistent they were finishing, you know, top five, top 10 in a lot of these categories. Uh, they were one of the better bullpens in 2022, but we've talked about how much bullpens can change on a year to year basis. So I think the question here, though, considering that they're going to have, you know, Munoz with a, a full season under his belt, uh, Matt Brash for a full season, presumably. Can they be better than they were in 2022 this year? Sure. Um, they could. Uh, I, I think, you know, the the beauty of the, the Mariners bullpen right now, though, is actually that it carries a relatively high floor. I mean, mm. you never know with bullpens that it is a little fickle, but at this stage you have to feel pretty good about what you're going to get out of Paul Seawald, out of Diego Castillo. Um, and even to a, you know a lesser extent, Andres Munoz, uh, there is certainly upside in this bullpen as well. We still don't know exactly what Matt Brash can be as a full-time reliever. Um, and you know Munoz struggled for the first, I don't want to say struggled, but he wasn't you know Andres Munoz for the first six weeks or so, and then he really started to figure it out. Um, so there's upside here. There's some safety here. There's some depth here. So yeah, I, I do expect the Mariners bullpen to be pretty good. And you know on the bonus, if they struggle a little bit, if they're not as good as you need them to be early. We know Jerry DePoto and his crew will not hesitate to go out and, and fix it. And they've proven to be very good at doing just that. So I'd be pretty surprised if the Mariners bullpen uh, with what they have on hand right now was a problem for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and if, even if they are, I think we can trust Jerry DePoto to go out and, and fix it. Um, but I, I think they could get better. 
Uh, but I, if they just repeat what they did last year, even as a unit, then I think they're in really good shape. So let's start with the highest leverage guy here. Andres Munoz is coming off of a spectacular season, was top five, top 10 amongst all major league relievers in a bunch of categories last year. Devastating slider, obviously the big fastball, uh, but he's coming off of a, a foot surgery, unique foot surgery this uh, this past off season. Uh, he pitched through it, uh, through the injury. Uh, towards the latter half of this past season, uh, but we haven't seen him a ton this spring. Uh, do you think that could hamper him to start the year at all? And uh, what are your expectations overall for Munoz in 2023? Um, I think I think it's unfair for us to assume that Munoz is going to be anything coming off of the injury. Um, this is a guy who did work his way back from Tommy John. He is, you know, known as a hard worker, but this is a core surgery or a foot, sorry, foot surgery. And we don't know, we haven't even seen him in a game yet. Now it's not as important for relievers to get into a lot of spring training games, uh, but it would be nice to see him get a couple before we get to opening day. I think Munoz is going to be fine overall though. I think he's going to be on the opening day roster. I don't foresee, you know, barring any setbacks. Uh, and I think he'll continue to, build on the season he had last year uh you know it's it's so funny when you look at Munoz the guy throws 103 miles an hour and he's throwing 70 percent sliders right uh now he's apparently added a two-seamer back into the into the mix it's also in the high 90s it's got run it breaks bats so he has a new weapon on top of that so to me I think the foot surgery I think he'll I think he'll be fine uh maybe they ease him back in a little bit uh, at the beginning of the year, probably avoid back-to-backs as much as they can for a couple of weeks. Um, but I do expect, based on everything I heard, that he's going to hit the ground running and be ready to go. Uh, and I do think there's you know, another step for Munoz, but it's more about consistency as opposed to uh, putting up just you know better numbers than he did last year. Now, Matt Brash, on the other hand, obviously had a, a rough start to the year. He started the year in uh, the rotation, had a Really nice debut against the White Sox, then it just fell apart from that point forward. He got sent down, and then when he came back up in mid-July, he was a full-time reliever, and he was pretty dang great at it. Um, had an issue with walks. We'll talk about that, but 12.44 Ks per nine, 2.43 ERA, 2.07 FIP, 3.12 XFIP, and 29 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, that's not accounting for... Um, what he did in the postseason obviously had some pretty big moments in the postseason, including game three of the ALDS uh, when he came in that tight spot and uh, was just fantastic uh, with runners in scoring position. Um, but uh, he only gave up eight earned runs over the uh, those 29 and two-thirds innings that he threw as a strictly a reliever, 41 strikeouts to 16 walks. He has to get the walks. Uh, he has to get the walks down, but... That slider is one of the filthiest pitches in all of baseball when it's on, when he can find the strikes on with it, or at least induce swings and misses with it. Mm-hmm. And he's got a big fastball. So what are your expectations for Brash in 2023? Yeah, he's also got a pretty good curveball. So, yeah, um, you know, Brash is kind of a unique uh, reliever right now in that he has two distinct breaking balls uh, to go with the fastball. Will he pare that down? Maybe we know he's worked on the cutter. Scott didn't seem all that impressed by it when he talked about it early in the spring. That's more of a work in progress pitch, but 
uh, yeah, when it comes to Brash, obviously you want the walks to be down, but I don't think the walk, I don't think we're ever going to see pinpoint control map brash i think he's gonna you know run relatively high threes or low fours based on ball per nine um which is fine that that's just you know that's a reliever profile instead of a starter profile which is i think how the mariners view matt brash going forward uh he's just going to be a reliever for seattle uh there was some thought that maybe they might try to stretch him out but then brash wanted to pitch in the in the wbc uh i think he was going to be in the bullpen no matter what. So uh-huh. uh, I, I think when you look at Brash in year two, it'll be interesting to see how they use him because last year he was kind of the the fireman, right? He's the guy that they would go get in the sixth with guy on second and third and one out, and they were up by two. Uh-huh. Uh, that was kind of his role. It was it – was, he's the the pivot he's, guy, right? Yeah, he, he, he's the guy that you need – it's strikeout or bust, really. Right. He was, he's the pivot guy. He wants, you want to give the ball to Brash so that you could get to Munoz, Seawald, and Castillo. Mm-hmm. Now, do they keep him in that role? Is he going to pitch multiple innings out of the bullpen? Right. Or is he going to transition into more of a traditional, you know, eighth, ninth inning or setup or closer type of guy? Um, the Mariners have been pretty non-traditional with their bullpen roles. Uh, they're not afraid to have, ask guys to get four outs, you know, on a fairly regular basis or just to get two or to pitch the ninth one night and pitch the seventh the next. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide Brash can do best for them, but it's going to include high leverage spots and probably a lot of them. Yep. Uh, and the stuff that we saw in, in early spring training and in the WBC looks as electric as ever. So if he can just improve his control a half grade, I mean, we're talking about potentially the filthiest pitcher in all of baseball. Like that that's how good the slider and the fastball and the curveball are. Yeah, and maybe it's Paul Seawall, maybe it's Diego Castillo, but I think there's a strong argument to be made here that Matt Brash is your second highest leverage guy behind Andres Munoz in this bullpen, uh, especially when you think about the the upside uh, of that arm and what you just said with Brash. Um, because, again, he's the guy that you go to when you need a strikeout. Yeah. Outside of Munoz, you know, and we saw that in game three of the ALDS. They needed a strikeout in that moment, and he was able to give them not one, but four i think over the one and two thirds mm-hmm. innings p- that he pitched just that that's what matt brash can be what we saw in game three of the alds that's essentially the ceiling for what matt brash can be or what we saw in the ninth inning of the clinching game against the a's mm-hmm. where it was three strikeouts and i think 11 pitches just yeah. filth filth yeah absolutely all right, so we're going to look at Paul Seawall, Diego Castillo, Matt Festa, and the rest here in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you compete combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on That's fanduel.com slash L O C K D O N to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And you're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen as we preview the 2023 bullpen for your Seattle Mariners. Let's talk about Paul Seawald here, Colby. Uh, he was once upon a time the highest leverage guy in the Mariners bullpen. Uh, he's now arguably the second or third uh, guy in that order. Uh, still really good. He had some shaky moments 
uh, towards the end of the season. And, and you know, especially I'm, I'm sure game one of the ALDS uh, has stuck in the mind of a lot of Mariners fans. But Seawall was still really good this past year uh, and he was used a lot. Right. You know, the Mariners bullpen, I, you know, I said it earlier on that they weren't deployed a ton relative to the rest of the league uh, this past year. But he threw 64 innings, which is it's quite a bit for for someone that's especially not the guy in the bullpen. Ten one three Ks per nine, two three nine walks per nine, two six seven ERA, three eight eight FIP, three five eight X FIP. Uh, so let's just start here. Are you concerned at all with some of the. <clears throat> Uh, negatives that we saw at Seawald this past year? Do you think that maybe he's come down to earth a little bit? Uh, maybe there's more regression to, to be seen here? Or do you think he's just a solid guy that uh, this is basically who he is after the last couple of years? I feel pretty good about Paul Seawald. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. The first year up, he really took the league by storm, just striking guys out. And it was a sight to see because, again, it's not overpowering. It's a good slider, uh, but the fastball is just kind of eh. But he was striking guys out. Last year, he actually kind of did it. He still struck guys out, but it was more soft contact. He was mm-hmm. he was pretty hard to square up. So uh, to me, that's that's the league trying to adjust and, and see Walt adjusting back. So, yeah, you know what? Paul's going to go out there sometimes, and he's going to give up the three-run homer, and you're going to be mad, and you're going to be frustrated. But he's going to reel off nine, ten outings in a row where – he gives up one run in 10 innings and strikes out, you know, 12 dudes and, and, oh yeah, look, he's, he's the closer or whatever. Now the Mariners don't deploy traditional closers, Mm -hmm. uh, but Seawald's been a guy that they trust a lot in those tight situations, those high leverage situations. So as for, you know, does he get 20 saves this year? I don't know, but I do know he's going to pitch in a lot of high leverage spots. I do know he's going to get some save opportunities and I I trust him to come through more often than not. Um, He's not an elite reliever. Because again, he will have the occasional blow up, um, but he's still a very good reliever, and and I feel really good. If he's your third best guy, uh, I feel really good about your bullpen. Like in a, if you have an elite bullpen, just like a great bullpen, maybe he's your four. But if uh-huh. he's number three, you're in a really good spot. And and I think right now, I would probably say Seawald's my number two. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, Brash can certainly beat him there. And I feel really good about Paul. I'm not really all that concerned. It's just about, you know, he's probably never going to be as good as he was in 2021, but he's, if he is what he was last year, it's a really valuable reliever. And, and like you mentioned, right. It was more soft contact for him this past year. And he lowered his hard hit rate significantly from 2021 Mm -hmm. to 2022. He was at 39.7% hard hit rate 2021. That went down to 33.6. That's uh, that's that's nice. That's, that's what you want to see, uh, especially if he's not going to be striking out, you know, 14 guys per nine like he did in 2021. So um, I think this is sustainable, really, at the end of the day. I think what Seawald is and yeah, like you mentioned, there's going to be a, a couple of blow ups here and there. But what reliever doesn't experience those things like three, the like three relievers of the elite? Yeah, like three relievers at most probably never mm-hmm. experienced that, you know, on a year to year basis. But yeah, for the most part, Seawald is about as good as you can do, especially if he's going to be your third guy out of the bullpen eventually. Right. Uh, Diego Castillo had an interesting <laughs> year. He's had an interesting time in, in Seattle. Um, he is someone that. You know, he comes into the game and you got to hold on tight because you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, It's almost 
I don't want to fully commit to this, but it's almost Fernando Rodney-esque, it really, in, in terms of just you don't know what you're going to get out of Diego Castillo on a, on a night-to-night basis. You might see one of the most filthy performances you've ever seen, or you might see him walk three consecutive batters and end up getting pulled, <laughs> like uh, he did in Game 3 of the ALDS, going back to that for, uh, for a second. I don't know if he walked all three guys, but yeah, it was it was one of those situations where he loaded the bases, and it was not particularly fun to, uh, to watch. Uh, Case per nine was at an all-time low for him uh, this past year, 878. That's the first time that he hasn't averaged a strikeout per inning in his career. Uh, three, six, four walks per nine. That was also the second highest mark of his career. Um, did get the, uh, the home runs down though. He had, he posted the, uh, the lowest home runs per nine of his career at 0.83. And that's also reflected in his home run to fly ball rate, which was a uh, career low 10%, uh, three, six, four ERA, two, nine, six X ERA, three, six, eight FIP, three, eight, five XFIP. He was worth just 0.3 F4. And 54 and a third innings pitch. He was used in 59 games this past year. So what's your feel for, for Castillo? Is it just uh, like, cause he's clearly not been exactly the guy that we thought he was going to be when they acquired him, but he's also, he hasn't been a disaster, right? Like the numbers reflect that he's been pretty good. That's a pretty good reliever yeah. when you look at those numbers. So what do you think? Last year, the slider wasn't where it needed to be. Um, it's not a huge sweeping slider either, uh, and it can flatten out on them. So sometimes it turns into the cement mixer, which just spins in the middle of the plate, and it gets hit hard. So uh, it's going to come down to the slider. He has to extract some value out of the fastball, whether it's the sinker or the four-seamer. Um, interestingly, he added or re-added a changeup uh, to use against lefties, which – I think could be helpful because again, the slider doesn't have tremendous movement. So you might want to have a, a backup pitch or, or a secondary pitch that you can use um, on those days. So I, I feel okay about Diego. I think he's probably just a middle guy uh, who occasionally flashes as a high leverage guy. Um, but I feel okay about him. You know, he's kind of the number four or five in this pen, depending on how you feel about Festa or Murphy. Um, so I feel like that's a pretty good spot to be. We'll see how he, how he looks. Um, this is one of those guys who's kind of a a pivot guy. If he's really good, the Mariners bullpen could be great. And if he's not, then they probably aren't going to wait too long for him to figure it out. I I don't think that Diego has an entire season to, to get his act together. I think he's going to have, you know, a couple weeks, maybe two months, um and if they need to make a move he could be the guy that they dfa or they trade if they want to call up say perlander baroa or isaiah campbell or travis coon or or gabe spire whoever right he could be mm-hmm. the guy that gets the axe if he doesn't pitch well right away so um i i think he'll be fine i i do i, I don't think that he's going to be so bad that they'll be, feel like they have to make a move but the jury's out on diego a little bit until right. we see more consistency out of it it's, it's going to be a little bit of We'll see. Um, he's also battled some shoulder stuff the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be healthy now. So we'll mm-hmm. see if that plays a role or not. But yeah, it's the slider. It's, it's just not a big sweeper. It just kind of spins sometimes. So he has to have either more consistency with the slider or he's got to extract a lot more value out of the fastball or add another pitch. It sounds like he's trying to do all three. Yeah, he was someone that I kind of expected to be traded this offseason mm-hmm. uh, for you know a, a bench bat, something like that. Uh, right. He ended up surviving and uh you know at at his best he's a really valuable piece 
mm-hmm. to the Spalpen. Um, at his worst, though, he's a DFA candidate, straight up. Yep. So we'll see. Again, it's a you know, Diego Castillo is like a box of chocolates. So now the guy that I um, I'm really intrigued by is Matt Festa. That slider was really good last year, and he posts a ten six seven case per nine. Uh, walks per nine of three flat, four one seven ERA, not great. Yeah, four two six FIP, also not great. Uh, three four seven X FIP though, over fifty four innings, and he came out of nowhere, right? He was with the organization. I think he he left for a time, and then they brought him back on a minor league deal. I don't know a year or so after he departed, and uh, yeah, he just kind of came out of nowhere and was a a pretty. Uh, not a big part of this bullpen, but he was a contributor to this bullpen in 2022 and and had some big moments as well. And so I, if that slider continues to to be as effective as it was last year and, and he is just, uh, you know, if he's still kind of on the rise, if he's someone that's kind of on the rise, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he kind of maxes out this year. Um, What do you think about Vesta heading into this year? I think Matt is a guy who could take a, a step forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year was his first full big year, fully full year in the big leagues. Um, and he's kind of just reinvented himself fairly recently. He, remember he was a four pitch starter, command and control type of guy, uh, got hurt. There wasn't a lot of upside. They moved him to the pin. He started to throw a little bit harder Then the slider got a little bit sharper. Um, so this is a guy who, who just works and, and he finds a way to get better little by little. Um, and if he can make that incremental step forward, then Festa, you know, there was a month or two there where Festa was, you know, posting 16K per nine or something like that. It was insane. And it was largely based off of the breaking ball and, and the fastball. So there's something there with Festa that he, I don't think Festa's ever going to be like a go to high leverage type, but I think he could be a poor man's Paul Seawald. Obviously, it looks different. Uh, but it's just kind of a guy who you just ultimately trust in, in those spots. And, and it's like, does he have the best stuff? Does he throw the hardest? Does he, you know, have the best command? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. But I trust him. And, and you can see the Mariners started to trust him a little bit more as the year went on. Um, and I think the belief in Matt Festa is partly what made moving Eric Swanson um, not as difficult uh, for right. Seattle as, as they might have thought. The other bigger part being, of course, the acquisition of Teoscar Hernandez. But right. uh, I, I think, you know, Festa and, and to a certain extent, Penn Murphy, their kind of rise uh, last year is is kind of what made the Mariners comfortable doing that and really not adding much to the pen this offseason. So uh, if the Mariners believe in Matt Festa, then I think we kind of have to. So, I, you know, I mentioned the slider, and he used it a lot. He relied heavily on it this past year, 56.5% of the time he threw his slider, 43.5% on the fastball. Uh, so, you know, not necessarily Matt Whistler in terms of using the slider a lot, but uh, that's, uh, that's pretty significant. And obviously, you know, when you know that that's your best pitch, like you're going to lean on that quite a lot. Um, I'm interested to see how that kind of balances out this year if there is more uh use of the fastball or if, or if there's more emphasis on the slider um that's going to be really interesting but he's he's someone that i'm very intrigued by just coming off the year and and again i think there's another like you said i i think there's another step that he could take considering just how recent this breakout uh has been for him so uh all right so we're going to talk about 
Penn Murphy and Trevor Gott and Justin Topa and Chris Flexen and all the rest of these guys that are uh, likely to make up the uh, the rest of this bullpen or uh, contribute to the bullpen at some point in 2023. We're also going to talk about the loss of Eric Swanson and who might be the guy that that steps up because you talked about that a little bit here. Uh, but first, let me tell you about Ultimate Baseball GM. Have you ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your professional baseball franchise? Well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities, navigating your fr- uh, your franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want. It's basically the Jerry DePoto simulator. So instead of saying chills, DePoto did it again. You can now say chills. I did it again. Download it now and Locked On Mariners listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. We're previewing the 2023 Seattle Mariners bullpen on today's show. So you talked about it a little bit here. The, the Mariners um, didn't do a ton to add to this bullpen. Uh, they added Trevor Gott. They added uh, Justin Topa in a small trade with the Brewers. A couple of other guys on some, you know, minor league deals, et cetera. Um, and then they lost Eric Swanson, uh, who was one of their bigger pieces that they lost this off season. Of course they received Teoscar and is back in return. So you're feeling all right about that. Uh, But Swanson was, by ERA standards this past year, one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Uh, But they also flat out refused to use him in in the postseason until it was ultimately too late. So literally had no other choices. Yeah, that's when they went to Eric Swanson. Exactly. So going off of that, this might not be as big of a loss to the Mariners as one might think looking at it on paper. Um, But yeah. For, yeah, I know. I'm it's, still annoyed about it. I'm still annoyed too. Do I have the paper here? I'm, oh, I do. I do. It's here. It's a little crumpled. Here it is. Have, have you <laughs> have you seen? This I can't one? see it. Oh well. Have you seen this man, Eric Swanson? Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard that he's in Toronto or will be in Toronto soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, it's fun. We we talked at the beginning of the show about Andres Munoz and whether or not, you know, he's going to be ready to go and should Mm -hmm. we expect. And I had mentioned that he hadn't pitched yet. Well, he just finished his first spring inning uh, a couple minutes ago uh, as we're recording this. And uh, we're recording this on Monday, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He struck out the side, including throwing a hundred miles per hour right by Kesson Hira. So, well, Kesson Hira, we we talked about him a lot. I mean, two (laughs) slides. Strikeouts on the slider, two on the slider, one on the fastball. Um, you don't need to put him in any more Cactus League games. I'm good. Yeah, I've I'm seen good. enough. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm good. Uh, yeah. Kesson here is still one of the most mind-blowing stat lines. You ever. want him on the team now, don't you? <sighs> he has no options left. He can play second base a little. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. That goes back to our conversation on the mailbag episode on uh, Monday for you watching. Ty stares at Kesson Hero's fan graph page every day, just like... <laughs> It makes no, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Anyway, we're getting off track here. So 
to you, how big of the loss is Swanson? Pretty marginal. Yeah. Um, I like, I would rather have him than not, but I'd also rather have Teoscar than, than not. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of tough to separate that. Yeah. Uh, look, Swanson was a really good pitcher the last two years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really kind of came into his own the second half of last year. I think the Mariners probably sold high on, on Swanson. Uh, I think he'll be good for Toronto. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's going to post it another year like he did last year. Um, and I feel like the Mariners, if there's one thing we can trust them to do, it's, it's find more Eric Swanson's. Right. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'd like to have him, or I'd like to have another pitcher similar to him added mm-hmm. to this bullpen right now, but I think they'll be fine without him. I'm not, I'm not staying up at night worried about Eric Swanson's spot in this bullpen. So we talked about Festa potentially taking on that, that role that Swanson essentially filled this past year, but maybe it's someone like Penn Murphy. Maybe it's someone like mm-hmm. Trevor Gott, um, Justin mm-hmm. Topa, who might not make the team right out of camp, but is someone that Jerry Depoto is has been excited about this offseason and has tried to acquire over the last couple of years. Um, who out of that group do you think is maybe the most likely? And we'll throw Festa into that group as well. Who who of those guys do you think is the most likely to help replace some of the value lost with the departure of Swanson? I think it's probably Festa, but mm. we should, probably shouldn't sleep on Penn Murphy. The guy was really good last year. Um, you know, not as, I wouldn't say as good as like, the final numbers would indicate, but he was pretty good. He was trustworthy. He's a good middle innings guy, just solid as a rock. So I think maybe we overlook Murphy and his value in this role, but yeah, they didn't, they didn't love using Swanson in high leverage spots. I feel like that's kind of how they feel about Festa. So I think Festa is probably going to take the, take the Swanson role, which kind of leaves the Festa role open, which I think is going to be taken by Murphy. And then the Murphy rolls open, which I think is probably going to be taken by got who, not been blown away by Trevor Gott and what I've seen. Um, right. It's spring. It's only a handful of innings, so who really knows? But I don't think that there should be a lock on Trevor Gott making this team, but it, it feels like there probably is at this stage. Right. Yeah, he's the one guy that they actually spent a little bit of money on. and obviously it's bucks. Yeah, and it's not prohibitive at all to just move on no. from him. But because of that, I, I feel like they might want to just at least see him give it, give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, pitch in some major league games just to start the season. But he probably has a very short leash on him, if I had to guess. Uh, because, right. they, you know, there's other guys, right, that are knocking on mm-hmm. the door, like a like a Justin Topa. Uh, and then obviously... Right. You know the young guys, right? Perlander, Gabe Spire, Perlander yeah. Baroa, Gabe all of whom have options. Yeah. So, so Perlander per Baroa, you know, I think if if you're looking for someone in the farm system to make a, a major, to potentially make a major impact out of the bullpen in 2023, it would be Perlander Baroa. We've also talked a lot about Isaiah Campbell, um, mm-hmm. but when do you think is the earliest we could see Baroa after a very impressive spring? May, mm-hmm. mid-May maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll go down to double A. He'll start the year in the rotation. They've already announced that plan. Yep. I think it's going to be very similar to what they did with Edwin Diaz, where you know they give it a shot, and if there's legitimate growth as a starter, then maybe they think, hey, you know, let, let's let's ride it out. But if they see what they've continued, what they've seen so far, which is where he kind of struggles to get through the lineup multiple times because of the command because of kind of the iffy third pitch and all that stuff, then I think they just move him to the bullpen for a couple of weeks and then they call him up. So I think it could be like that. Um, I guess there's a, 
a scenario, although it's unlikely to me, where Marco is like 2020 Marco, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden Bryce Miller becomes a guy that maybe you think about putting right. in the bullpen for half a year uh, before you make that transition back to the rotation. But yeah, Burrow is kind of the guy, right? We, we saw him pitch in the spring. He was really electric and dynamic and he struck out big leaguers and made him look silly and all that stuff. I think Barrow is probably in this bullpen. If we got to like conservatively July one and Baroa was healthy and not a part of the major league bullpen, I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Either like he's just bottomed out or the starter thing has actually piqued right. the Mariners interest to the point or of the Mariners bullpen role. is so good that they just don't have room for him. And mm. Maybe he's trade bait at that point. Right. Or maybe you trade one of the relief. Maybe Diego Castillo's pitching well and you trade him and you replace him with Barroa. So Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think is probably the the prospect to watch coming up through the bullpen and making a huge impact. Yeah. He's he's an exciting arm. He's someone that mm-hmm. I'm I'm really because uh, I, I didn't see him pitch uh, personally this spring, so I haven't really gotten eyes on him aside from the little bits of spring or uh, little bits of minor league games that I watched last year and then clips, obviously, that have circulated on Twitter, and that's about it. So I'm really excited to just see him uh, in general. Um, so lastly, I mean, we've been asked this question or, you know, we've seen comments about this uh, over the course of the offseason, the lack of a, a lefty in the bullpen. Why does that not matter in the grand scheme of things, Coley? Because who cares what hand you throw with as long as you get lefties out? Yeah. That's why it doesn't matter. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, Eric Swanson last year was one of the better relievers against left-handed hitters. He's a righty. If you can get that production out of someone else, it doesn't matter what side they throw from and so that's why i'm not pounding the table for gabe spire to be a part of this roster just because he's a lefty right that's why i'm not pounding the table for taylor sostito that's why i'm not pounding the table for the mariners to go out and trade for someone or sign someone it's not look and again a lot of these you know lefties that you know teams bring in at the end of the day are guys that can only get lefties out and that doesn't really work nowadays with three batter minimum obviously there's ways to to circumvent that but that puts you in kind of a bind and so that that's just an antiquated way of of looking at bullpens like if you can get a valuable lefty who can also get righties out sure but if he if all he's good for is to get lefties out who are you know out of the two sides that you can hit from the minority right you're going to run into more righties than than lefties naturally then there's very minimal value in that. And so mm-hmm. it's not really a big deal to me, the absence of a lefty on, on, in this bullpen. I don't really, I don't really care. Just go with your eight best. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Uh, lastly here, um, just to quickly get your thoughts. What do you think Chris Flexen's role in, in the bullpen? If he, assuming that he survives the next few days and makes opening day, uh, makes the opening day roster. What do you envision his role being? Um, it's pretty interesting because the Mariner, like uh, the traditional long man, that, that kind of doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, and if you're just waiting for opportunities to use a traditional long man type of arm, it could be, you know, 10, 11 days before Flexen gets into yeah. a game. So you're going to have to use them some in the middle innings. You can't just sit around and wait for mop-up duty. You can't just sit around and wait for, you know, 
Logan to go three and two thirds and give up six, seven runs and like, okay, well we need just four or five from, and Flexen's not, I mean, Flexen's pretty stretched out right now, but he's going to sit in the bullpen. He's not going to go multiple innings. So I think you have to find a way to use him multiple innings, maybe not every time out, but you do want to keep him kind of stretched out. So you do want to find a way to give him three innings. I think one way you could accomplish this is to be maybe a little liberal with the opener idea. Mm. Uh, And it's not so much that you do it, you know, every time out, but like, Hey, you know what? We have a chance here to, let's say it's a Sunday and we have a Monday off and it's like, Hey, you know what? We could push Kirby to Tuesday and use an opener and then the bullpen day on Sunday. And and then we have Monday off and then Mm -hmm. Tuesday we can roll with Kirby on seven days rest. And it's just kind of a way to kind of keep, you know, guys fresh early. I think that's maybe one way you look at it, but at some point in time, Flexen's going to have to pitch in the sixth, seventh inning with a one run lead. And he's going to have to just do that because you have to keep the opportunity for him to start open. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to send him in the bullpen for a week at a time between outings and just kind of like an inning here and inning there, mm-hmm. mop up duty, long relief duty. You have to use them. Like you just can't have an empty spot in your, in your bullpen. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they handle that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, S-T-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and my co-host Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And with that, have yourself. Well, before Colby rudely interrupted me, I was going to say, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace. Now you can hit it. <laughs> do I hit it or do I just end it? <laughs> just, just hit it. Just hit it. Just hit it again. Do it. Colby, hit it. All right. All right. All right. <laughs>